Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to You Know It's Fake, right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. I am your host. My name is Brian Breaker. Welcome to the show. It is episode 94. We are six away from 100. That is crazy to think. 94 episodes of the show. And my guest this week is referee Brandon Schmidt. Um, Known Brandon, I, I mentioned this last week, I've known him since my first day pretty much in professional wrestling. I was learning how to bump. And so was he, and he was a referee and didn't know why, and we talk about that, our early days in the Harley Race Wrestling Academy. Uh, might be a story about him ripping out his pants one night in Warsaw, Missouri, which was a fun time, but Brandon's always just been a great, great friend of the show, great friend of mine personally. I've always enjoyed him as a referee. He's an amazing guy, and we kind of tell a lot of stories about the good and the bad of pro wrestling, and I think you guys will enjoy it. Brandon's pretty much an open book, and you know, kind of talks about maybe mistakes he might have made in his run, which we all do. And sometimes it's easy to look back and like, oh, dang, I shouldn't have done that. But that's part of learning. That's part of getting your feet wet in this industry. Um, and I also want to shout out uh, Coach Doggins. He was my guest last week. A lot of great feedback on that show. He's a super fun guy to talk with. And um, I'm glad everybody enjoyed it. I'm sure he'll be back on again sometime down the road. Um, but like I said, this week, Brandon, and I, I think it's cool to me because like the last three weeks, Grinville Nash was my guest uh, two weeks ago of the has book, which is a great, great get. And then, you know, coach Doggins, who's a, you know, wrestling fan, a wrestling manager announcer. He's done a lot of things in the business and he's also a figure collector. That's really fun. And then Brandon Schmidt, a guy who's known me since I first stepped foot in this business. Uh, he's refereed more of my matches than almost anybody. And is a, a great friend of the show to this day. And, and of me personally, like I said, so that's what I like to do on the show. I like to have a very different, um, crew of individuals always on the show, which makes it so much fun for me, but let's not, uh, I don't want to waste too much time on this intro. Uh, let's kick it over to my conversation with the one and only referee, Brandon Schmidt. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. Joining me this week, the one and only, he's a referee, one of my really good friends, Brandon Schmidt. Brandon, How's it going, man? It has been way too long. Oh, right, man. It's been good. Things have been going good. It has been way too long since we've talked, man. Way too long. So I, you know, I, I've known you pretty much day one of pro wrestling, of my journey anyway. Um, I remember, like, we'll always, we always joke about this story because, you know, we lost Harley a few years ago now. And the first time I met you, you, you came through the WLW Academy, the Harley Race Academy there in Eldon, Missouri, which is you know, quite a destination for vacations. If you get a chance, <laughs> uh, we were in there doing our bumps. And so, you know, I kind of say hi to you and I was like, so you're going to be a wrestler. And he's like, you're like, no man, I'm going to be a referee. And I'm thinking like, why are you taking bumps? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> but it was one of those things. That's I think exactly Harley, what it was. I, because Harley race told me to, <laughs> and he's I mean, so intimidating. You're not going to argue with the guy, right? Oh, but no, not at all. Just not at all. I might ask a question or two after the fact, but yeah. that was that was an automatic thing. You could just 
Yeah, you can tell. Shut your mouth, do what he wants, and uh, we, you guys can discuss it later. His door was always open. So. Yeah. Yeah, it, he definitely had that intimidation factor without really – to me, like, he didn't have to try to act intimidating. It was just very natural for him, right? I mean, he was definitely the type of guy that demanded that respect uh, from his presence. Oh, definitely. I mean, and and I think Harley was such a, a gentleman that because it was my first day in training, you know, I might have been able to get away with questioning it, but I imagine I would have got that that look. You know, you know that look. And do you want that look <laughs> from Harley or BJ at that time? No, the look was almost worse than words. <laughs> <laughs> it really was. It was. It was definitely an interesting time there. But um, you know, like I said, me and you have known each other for for many many years. Uh, but kind of kind of trace it back. Because uh, we haven't podcasted in a very long time, so you know, you, you started training to be a referee. Uh, what made you decide, like, hey, let's let's do this, let's get in this business? Um, doing a couple, uh, putting on a couple shows here in my hometown of Keokuk, Iowa, and uh, everything just went real good. We had good attendance at them and everything, and uh, kind of developed a business relationship with Harley, I guess, if you could call it that, just as far as promoting the shows and uh, dealing with tickets and whatnot. And we had a couple good shows in 06 and 07, and uh, BJ called me up one day and uh, then put Harley on the line. He had a couple questions for me, and I am figured, okay, let's get back to Keokuk again, you know, with real mm -hmm. successful shows. And Harley said, I'll never forget it, kid. How do you? How would you like to feel? Excuse me, kid. How would you like to go further in the business? And you know, my heart dropped, but because I have no idea what he's talking about. All I could think was, man, I if you would have got me when I was eighteen or twenty years old, by all means, I'd, I'd give the wrestling a shot because I never had a connection back there. Never, never really had the desire to. But the thought of Harley Race asking me to go further in the business was, you know, it was like. Even at, I think, 33 years old at the time, it was like, hell yes, what what do you need? <laughs> well, and that's the and, thing uh, is, like, when somebody like that of his caliber asks you that, like, you know, you're almost ready to jump through a window for him, right? Like, anything that needs to be done. And, and the wrestling business, I think, sometimes, too, um, it's one of those industries where it just doesn't seem possible because I think for a lot of us, when, especially when you're young and like you said, 18, 20 years old, like you don't even really know what to do, right? Like it's, it's very, especially even then, even it's a little bit more open now, but in those days, like, like you got to get trained. Well, where do you get trained? You know, you, well, you got to go to a school. Well, where's a good school? You know I mean? There's so many ups and downs and ebbs and flows of trying to get to where you need to be. It's, it's not the easiest thing in the world. No, no, it isn't. I mean, it was by chance that I uh, met Matt Murphy and which got me the the contact with Harley, and never in a million years would I thought I would be involved with the professional wrestling after growing up watching it, and uh, meeting Matt was a highlight, and he was winding down the first part of his career there. Mm -hmm. I know he came back later on, but uh, he had just had the back injury, or just right. a little bit before the back injury. I think he came back from one of his trips to Japan, and he came back to uh, visit his mom there in my hometown, and uh, she happened to live next door. Uh, to my parents' house. So Shane introduced Shane Murphy, Matt's brother, was a bartender at the same bar that I w uh, worked at. And Shane introduced me to Matt, and then when Matt would come back, we would meet up, and then it just slowly progressed from there. So it's kind of a neat story. That is really by, Totally by chance. Well, <laughs> what's funny is I, I didn't know a lot of that. I didn't realize that you were actually co-promoting shows. And that's a whole different thing that I think people probably don't get. But, you know, WLW is based out of Eldon, Missouri, which I joked about before, but it's not really close to anything. So 
you're two and a half hours to Kansas City. You're two and a half hours to St. Louis. You know, you're an hour to Columbia. Like, you're kind of far from everything. So we did a lot of traveling shows. And that meant that BJ and Harley had to find basically a point of contact in each of these areas we would run shows. And so I, I apparently for Keokuk, that was you, which I didn't realize that. Yeah, I don't know if wrestling had been back to the area since I was a shoot elementary school, junior high, back in the early 80s. Yeah. Um, it, it may have, you know, one, once or twice, uh, you know, that I missed it or was out of town or something like that. But as far as getting the guys in here, I think Harley and them, uh, WOW came back to Keokuk once or twice, and then it was a number of years until, until uh, I made the contact with Harley about let's do some shows up here. We were raising money for the high school for the new weight room and track that they got, which is heck, that weight room state of the art. <laughs> That's awesome. It, it's, it's, yeah, I remember remember uh, Lex Luger coming in there for the first one of the first shows. Wow, and uh, talking about the old auditoriums, the old gymnasiums, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, there wasn't nothing like him and, uh, coming up through the ranks years ago. And, uh, it's kind of neat getting back to those, uh, gymnasiums and high schools and, uh, filling them up. And, uh, you know, little, little things like that just meant the world. It's like, wow, it's my little taste or our little taste of the territory days, if you want to, per se, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't even close to what those guys did, but it gave us a little bit of a taste, a little more appreciation than just doing, you know, the same arena every other month or every month or whatnot. We got to travel a little bit with each other and see the road. It was pretty cool. I always thought it was, to me, and, like, I didn't really appreciate this until years later, but, you know, I would see some shows where they ran the same building every month, and what happens there is you end up with kind of the same core crowd, and so they kind of recognize the guy's music and their movesets. Like, for us, it was cold every single show, so we had to go get over immediately right i mean as a baby face right. and and there's nothing i know you didn't actually you know go into the wrestling side of it but i mean i'm sure you saw it as a referee because like for us if you're a baby face there's nothing worse than having to be that fired up baby face and the crowd's not feeling it or being that jerk heel and they're just kind of sitting on their hands because that does happen sometimes i do feel like though that was one thing that i felt like really confident most of the harley shows did is like if we started out and they were kind of quiet by the end of the night, they were all usually pretty loud. And it may have taken a, a match to get there, but we usually always got them there to where they were going to be loud and we had everybody, you know. Right. Which I yeah, think is, is very, very good. I, I agree with you. There's very few shows, you know, that I remember coming back after, you know, the semi-main or the main and, you know, covered in sweat. Now, 99% of the time, the crowd was on their feet. They're going crazy. And it was, hell yeah, what a match or mm-hmm. what a show, you know. It, it just it built just like it was supposed to. So Yeah. So Harley asks you to be a referee or not, not necessarily be a referee, but, like, would you like to do something more in this business? Like, that's got to be a really – I mean, clearly for you is a life-changing phone call, right? I mean, because you've spent so many years since then, you know, in this industry. Did you – like, do you think you'd have been a referee if that phone call hadn't happened? Mm, no, I'm absolutely not. I mean, I, I guess maybe if there was another chance down the road, I mean, a, a, a by chance moment, I guess. Yeah. That you know, uh, somebody had car trouble or something, and I was helping promote a show, and it was last minute thing. Hey, I know wrestling as far as watching it, like the pretty avid fan years ago so i mean you know the rules you know the ins and outs but uh 
it's a whole new ball of wax so once you step through the ropes. But uh, no, I, I don't think I would have been something I would would have pursued on my own. Yeah. So it's it's kind of crazy how life changing, you know, a little moment in time like that can be. And like you start to think like all the weekends you spent on the road, all the shows you went to, all the people you've met, like how different your life would be now, right? I mean, we really kind of break it all down. It's like, I mean, hey, me and you wouldn't even be having this conversation, right? Because I wouldn't have ever probably met you in my entire life had you right, not right. decided We're to be in school. Three states away or whatnot, by yeah. all means, yeah. What's the chances? <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely it's definitely a crazy it's a crazy thing for sure. But so you get in in there and and you you know obviously like we mentioned before, Harley kind of has you bumping around and doing a little bit of stuff in the ring. Were you instantly like, okay, this is something I want to pursue? Because honestly, that first bump's kind of a it's a game changer for some. It's like, oh, I like this, or it's like, you know what, I want no part of that the rest of my life. Boy, that yeah, the, the heck, the first. Eight or ten of them was, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm actually seeing, you know, the old cartoon birds flapping around my head, you know, and seeing stars. And, you know, once you get that tongue, that uh, chin tucked and you hit one, it's like, okay, there it is. Yeah. There it is. And, uh, but yeah, that was <laughs> for the first five minutes. It, once I climbed up in that ring, it was, holy shit this is what these guys do wow wow i I mean more than anything in my life wow yeah i always describe like the uh the a right bump kind of like i can i can usually kind of compare a lot of wrestling to baseball so like if you hit like a foul ball kind of the tip of the bat it kind of may shake your hands a little bit it doesn't feel right but you hit that perfect line drive and it just boom it just you know like the bat just it just sails. That you don't ball. even, yeah. You don't even, you don't even feel a thing when you yeah, hit that sweet like, spot. Yeah, yeah exactly. The sweet spot, exactly. It's like, boom. You're like, okay, that's what it's supposed to feel like. But yeah. that's the thing is when you know you're obviously you're obviously having to throw yourself down on your back, which doesn't look hard when you see it done. But when you actually get in there and do that, you realize like, oh, that freaking hurts. Like this is not the easiest <laughs> thing in the world. Yeah, I, I think I remember Harley or one of you guys. Uh, I remember the quote, or well, not exactly word for word, but it was that's throwing yourself down on purpose is the most unnatural thing a human could do. Sure. And it's like, wow, yeah, where, where else do you do that besides as a little kid jumping off the couch? <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. And and I think that's always been – that's always kind of been a, a thing for me where, you know, I, I understand what pro wrestling is and I understand it's a show. I understand it's entertainment. I think that's kind of – it's not even being hit anymore. I think it's out in the open. People get it, but it always has gotten me when people think what we do is easy. I guess that that part's always gotten me. Like, uh, you know, I I would watch like a pro bull rider on TV and and realize like, well, that would be hard. <laughs> you know, like there's nothing about that that's easy. I have never ridden a bull, have no desire to ride a bull, but there's nothing about that that looks fun or easy to me. So I no, respect. If you could give me a you know a. Thousand percent guarantee and put me in a bubble and sure I'll I'll try to ride that bull yeah but you know but other than that no not a chance <laughs> yeah it's exactly and it's like it's it's one of those things like I don't have to do that to realize like yeah that would be tough but for whatever reason I think because people hear wrestling is entertainment or fake or whatever whatever word you want to use they assume <laughs> that nothing is real and nothing hurts and and honestly that just can't be farther from the truth why do you think that perception of wrestling is like that I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, all the all the years that with kayfabe and whatnot, all the way from you know, you go back early into the 20th century, all the way through. I mean, it's it's almost beautiful that the, the families got together and watched it when there was only you know two or three channels on, and 
they all, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how to put it into words. It's just, I don't, I don't know where the, where the turn was with the general public. Cause I, I think these guys were back in the territory days and whatnot. I guess if you want to call it the seventies and back, maybe early eighties and back, it was, uh, sure. You're getting entertainment out of it, but, uh, but it's These, but, but it's believed to be a real contest, right? Right, right. And uh, I'm not sure exactly where it changed. And then it, it almost got. I don't know if it. I always look at the the rock and wrestling and whatnot with the Cindy Lauper and Mr. T and all, all that. You know, that was when I was, you know, getting it up in the what was that early '80s? I was born in '73, so I was 10, mm-hmm. 11, 12 years old, right? And then it was great for my for my age bracket and it got over, you know, you've seen Hulk on TV guide and all these shows and this and that and MTV. But at the same time, it's like, okay, is this where it turned? Yeah. Right. Right then and there, even though I was enjoying the shit out of it right then, it's like, now I look back and it's like, ugh. yeah, it's, I know I've heard Jim Cornette make the statement that the reason they never wanted the general public to believe that wrestling was a work because they thought, well, we won't make money. If people don't believe that this is real, we won't make money, which I understand. Sure. But I don't think that's the case. I think most people are in on it now, and they get that it's entertainment, and they're just there to be entertained. They're there to watch their favorites. They're there you know, to see whatever it is that you get out of wrestling, because I think it's different for everybody to some degree. You know, Some of us are really into the, you know, the sports. Some people like the, the entertainment. I mean, everything's – wrestling's different from, for all – walks alive, which is, which is great. I think that's what it's supposed to be. It should be entertaining yes. from, you know, eight to 80. I've heard that quote before. Like anyone from a small child to an old man should be able to enjoy pro wrestling. Yes, but, I agree. Right. But it's, it's one of those things where I know there was some exposés done early on, like John Stossel kind of going into the, um, you know, what wrestling was and so on. But it was one of those things where I'm like, to think that they actually had a newsman doing an expose to say that wrestling is not real is that's that's pretty nuts, right? I mean, to, to really think about it, like and, and you're there back backstage at the garden. Yeah, yeah, you get slapped <laughs> by by David Schultz. I mean, it wasn't probably the most uh, you know successful venture for him, but it, oh. it's, it's it's one of those things where it's like, is that necessary? Like, this is entertainment. So my thought is, I don't understand, I guess, now that I kind of like, I'm a little bit removed from the business, still a fan, still, you know, still a wrestler, but I don't do it as much. And so like, I don't get where like people can watch a movie or a TV show and be fully invested in this great, which is awesome. But you bring up wrestling and it's like, you get those people that are kind of like, why do you watch that? It's not real. It's like, well, what movie's real? What TV show is real? Like what? What's yeah. real? What What is real? Like if, if we're going to talk about that, sports, I guess you could say. But that's yeah, how, exactly. Half your crime documentaries, you know, that uh, that I'm really into. I I get frustrated when it's all reenactment of this, reenactment of this. Mm-hmm. Because they take liberties to make the story fit, right? Yeah, yeah. And so that's that's always been kind of a common thing for me. I don't really understand, but it's just it's kind of a frustration because I feel like wrestling is. There's really no reason like that it shouldn't be fun and like I, I know anytime someone that I've been friends with outside of the business that's come to a live show or watched a pay per view or whatever it was, they were usually entertained. 
right? And so usually it's yes, always like, yes. oh, that was that was fun. I probably won't watch every week, but I enjoyed that. I'm like, well, that's what it's about, right? It's supposed to be fun. Like if you take yourself out of it and just see it for what it is, it's supposed to be entertaining. You know, wrestling has comedy, yeah. action, everything, right? Exactly. Uh, my, my mom and dad, they did not watch wrestling uh, when I was growing up. You know, sure, they, w- they wouldn't mind me watching it. They, you know, kind of left me alone with it mm-hmm. and had no, no interest in it at all. And then sure. uh, the couple of shows that I, before I became a, started training to be a referee, uh, we put on those couple of shows in Keokuk. And uh, I was like, come on, mom and dad, just go out here. It's entertainment, you know, have, have a good time. Mm-hmm. Enjoy it. It's a you night know, out, right? the back. Yeah. And my mom absolutely loved it. She says, you know, that was a good, good time. She said that was, you know, it's cheaper than going to the movies. Mm-hmm. They they had a blast at it. Yeah, if you can just suspend the, your disbelief for a, just a little bit, man, enjoy the shit out of it. And she exactly. did, you know, and she 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 was the first one to give me all kinds of crap when I was getting ready to come down to Eldon because she thought, oh, whatever, this yeah. isn't going to go anywhere, you, you know. wrestling stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. And I and I do need to say, uh, my mom passed away. God bless her soul. Miss her so much. But uh, she passed away in 2019. And a couple days before, unexpectedly, she's just 62. Yeah, and, I'm uh, sorry to hear that, man. Oh, thanks, brother. But uh, the last day that we spoke, just a couple days before she passed, well, the last day we spoke in person, uh, I was driving, I don't know, a couple blocks from her house, and uh I see that truck sitting there. Long story short, I was like, I'm going to be nosy. My, you know, who's over at mom's house? So I just swung in, and uh, she had a refrigerator repairman over there. And she was like, what are you doing? Ah, just check it up on your old lady, you know, and we laughed or whatever. And she goes, oh, this is, I don't remember his name, such and such. Uh, this is Billy working on the on the refrigerator. Tell Billy what you do for a living. And I'm like, I work out here at this rubber plant making <laughs> uh, rubber weather sealing, weather strips for a uh, for vehicles and she's like no 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 and i'm like okay i got us i'm a professional wrestling referee and he was like what was that and she just starts rambling this that and the other about wrestling so like the first time i'd ever seen her just proud as could be yeah for my little bitty wrestling career but it was like wow mom this shirt changed in 12 or 13 years you know you're the first one to tell me what the hell are you doing right (laughs) when i start going down there to harley so yeah. Wrestling gave me another great memory. You know, one of the last times I spoke with my mom. It's the last time I spoke with her in person. Was she was she was proud. Let's put it that way. So yeah, it was. Hey, he's part of whether you want to call it pro wrestling, what do you call it, sports entertainment. It's she was proud. She was able to go to them shows, enjoy herself. You know, even before I was setting foot in the ring. So it made it even better, I think, for her once I did. You know, did a couple shows here in the area. So and. It, it's a cool thing. Wrestling is just a, a wonderful, wonderful sport, man. No, I agree. And I, and I think that's what has been kind of a bothersome thing for me because, you know, I, I remember my first show, you know, a lot of family came to watch and you'd hear things like, man, that was, that was so much fun. I loved how you could, you know, cheer for the good guys and boo the bad guys and you could talk crap to them. And I'm like, yeah, like, I mean, it's like, I didn't think this was a secret, you know, but it's like, apparently, like, they didn't get that until, like, they were there in person, and they kind of, like, I think it sometimes there's that, like, you have to let loose, and that's like, oh, I'll just be quiet, but, like, why? You know, have fun with it. Like, my nephew goes to shows with me sometimes, and he lo- he screams the whole time he's there, to the point where, like, you know, we'll be at intermission, he goes, you know, my, my, uh, my throat's kind of hurting, and it's like, well, it's probably because you're screaming nonstop, like, he goes... But it's wrestling. I have to scream, and I'm like, "Ah, touche." You know, so, hey, sweet, yes. <laughs> but that's 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 what it's about, though. I think wrestling brings exciting moments, and 
you know, I, I heard a quote one time say like people won't always remember every match, but they'll always remember how they felt um, at a show. And I'm like, man, that's so that's, that's so true. I think that's something that if you're having a bad day or you're not wanting to be at at this particular show, that's always kind of something to think about, right? I believe so. Uh, you know, it's like going to them. Going to these shows too that, uh, you know, Harley would come back to World League Wrestling. We'd come back, you know, a couple times a year to these towns, you know, and, uh, they don't always know if there's a current storyline going. So uh, to me, the, the stories being told in the ring that, that you men and women are doing in there mm-hmm. mean more to the crowd, you know, right off the bat from the, from that first match. Okay. It's not just two guys or two gals in there going at it, slugging each other for no reason. There, there's stories told. I mean, uh, and yeah. you, you guys perfected your craft on the road to, to where it's like, okay, live audience, here we go. You know, it's, it's almost like I, I can understand while, uh, while, why, excuse me, you know, uh, famous Hollywood actors go back to theater. Yeah. You know, I always wonder, what, what are you doing? You know, it's, right. It's, you could be making 20 million a movie, a big, big you know? Money. Yes. But you go back there because, man, there's the pressure. There's the, mm-hmm. there's going back to the roots of it all. And that's how I kind of look at, look at the, the pro wrestling and the, uh, what you guys did. Mm. Well, I remember, uh, no, I'm sorry. Go ahead. What you guys do, I guess I should say. Sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember early on in my career, seven or eight matches in. You know, still getting my footing, and uh, I worked a show in Eldon with a guy named Tyler Cook, actually, which I had never met, which was the first time I'd ever wrestled a guy I'd never met. And at that time, that made me so nervous because I'm like, I don't know anything about this guy. I think I had met him, but I never wrestled him. And so it was probably a, a test to see how it would go. So I'm wrestling him, and um, we blew a, a spot real bad. And you know, tried to cover it the best you could, but I did the classic thing of like, as soon as it was blown, I went right back to it instead of, you know, trying to figure out a thing to do, but it, it happens. And I think that's part right. Of, instead, that's, instead of moving on and keep going, Oh, wait, let's cut. Let's try that again. And almost. Yeah. Yeah. And it's classic. Yeah, yeah. It's a classic rookie mistake. And, you know, after, you know, intermission, Matt Murphy was doing commentary cause we were still doing like the TV tapings at those times. And uh-huh. he, he comes backstage and, you know, I always like, you know, you brought Matt earlier. That's why I wanted to tell the story. Cause I've always liked Matt a lot. And, uh, I, I was like, he was like asking about the match and you know, and everything I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, I messed up that one spot. And he was like, it happens. And that was his response. Cause I, th- I'm thinking because, you know, Matt was taking so much pride in this show. He was going to like rip me a new asshole, which not that he would have done that. Cause that's not really who he is, but that's kind of what I'm, assuming is going to happen and he was like it happens well, i think he might not to cut you up but I, he might have if you hadn't acknowledged that it happened right right and so I, and he was like it happens and i was like well here's what i should have done he goes yeah but you know what you're going to mess up spots that's part of learning and i'm thinking like yeah like it is like I, it was such a light bulb moment for me to where it's like that this is part of the process you don't come out of wrestling school or anything like perfect the learning is is such a huge aspect and i'm sure you've been in there too where as soon as you make a mistake and the way you react is not how you should have reacted and you know immediately but it's that thing of like should have done it this way and you just got to hope like you get like to me like i was described to me as like these shows are getting your reps in that way when you go get seen by somebody who matters hopefully you've got a lot of that stuff out of your system and you can show that you know what you're doing right Uh, yeah I see so many different companies that I've worked for be, yeah, you can tell. Yeah. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? 
Hello, can you hear me? Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know what happened. Got messed up there. But um, oh shoot, where were we now? I'm sorry. No, it's all good. We were just we were talking about um, being on the show and uh, and and learning and and making mistakes. And what I was actually going to ask you, I, I always transition to that here. But you know, being a referee, you were thrown out there a lot quicker than a wrestler was, right? Because I think sometimes. And I don't, I don't mean this insultingly, but I feel like sometimes the thought is with a referee, it's like, that's not that important. I completely disagree. I think a referee is incredibly important. What are your thoughts on that? Do you feel like sometimes they think like, oh, all you have to do is count to three. When that's really not true, you have a whole lot more responsibility out there than people realize sometimes. Um, I, I grew into that kind of, if that makes any sense, because I, starting out, I mean, I knew, I knew what the referee was supposed to do for the most part. Right. But I didn't. I had no clue at the same time about how valuable the guy was until shoot. I don't know. A couple years in, I guess. I guess you just once you realize, like you said, once you realize you're you're learning and you're going to make mistakes. There's you know half the pressures off of you right there. Mm. And the further I went in my career, the more trust I got from the workers. Right. And that meant the world because I could see the, even with WOW, you know, let me just pick some names out of the hat. You and Superstar Steve Fender. There's some stuff that you guys might not even consider doing in the ring with me in 2018 or 2008, 2009, you know, 2007, the beginning of my career, just because I was so green. And, you know, one of them unspoken, well, it was spoken. We can get back to that with Darren Wade, but it's one of those things uh, you're present, at least from my perspective as a referee, you're, I'm presented more complications in the matches. I, or not complications. What am I looking for here? No. Just more scenarios, more yeah. spots. Yeah, I'm brought into the mix a little bit more. Hey, we're going to use you here for this, this, you know. It might not necessarily be a rough bump. But just the trust that the workers were putting in to me it w- was, okay, wow, they got even more confidence in me than I do. Well, it's one so, of those things So where... go out there and, uh, you know, go out there and fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to say that's my mindset by no means, but at the same time, I had no pressure, man. These guys were trusting me. These guys were the ones that weren't hammering on me every time. Oh, you you messed up. You blew this spot or whatever. That You've seen that blind tag, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Whatever, no, they let me grow just like they did, and it, with World League Wrestling and, and Harley Race, man, and it was it was a wonderful experience. I didn't I didn't catch that raz, and I didn't catch the the bullshit because I I screwed up some matches. By all means, I screwed up some matches, but everybody was uh, at least nobody did it in my face. I guess put it that way. They gave me the uh, to me the respect that. I didn't even feel like I had earned. They let me grow just along with them, man. It was pretty cool. No, I, I agree. I, and I think that's – it's one of those things like when I left Missouri and I started doing – you know, I did, I did my NXT run that I was starting to do some stuff in Oklahoma. Like we had a lot of referees that were not good. We had a, a few good ones but several not good ones. And little things like if I wanted to say, hey, ref, get between us, uh, I'm going to have the heel poke my eyes, Right. Pretty right. basic spot, right? I mean, I'm the baby yeah. face. You get between us to separate us. He poke. Might even kind of turn towards the heel a little bit, and but yeah, see, kind but of. You already know that, right. you know. Yeah. Like you already get that. Like you know exactly where you. 
that's another thing Matt Murphy said to, to throw praise his way. He said, if, if someone calls a spot to you, you have to visualize what that is in your head or how else are you going to pull it off? Right. And so right. if I tell you, like, I wouldn't even have to tell you that spot until we're, it's happening. Right. Yes. Right. I, I would be like, he's going to grab, he's going to come, uh, come towards me. He's going to poke my eyes or whatever, wherever it's going to be, wherever you need to be, you're going to know, boom, the spot happens. I'm down. You look around, you didn't see anything. And then, you know, we're off to the races. That was a right. lot different in Oklahoma. Little things like were so much harder to pull off because they didn't – A, they didn't have the experience or training, and B, they just didn't know. And then they didn't have a lot of veterans around to kind of guide them to be like, here's what you need to do. And Or if you did right. try to give them the advice, they didn't want to take it because everyone was kind of stubborn. So it's one of those things where I feel like there's so much – that a, like a referee can make or break a match. I've had referees oh, very easily. Right. I don't know about make make a match, but he, yeah, he could definitely be an enhancement to it. But he I, can I, destroy I, it easily. No, very very much so, very much so. Yeah, and and I've and I've had that where you know finish happens and they pull the count and it's like, holy shit, like we're dead in the water, you know. And it's just it's one of those things like mistakes happen, but it's like oh shit, here we go and. That's one of those things. It's experience, and it and it can happen to anybody. But that's where, like, we had a guy at a show, and they had a referee that they shouldn't have been using. They did. The finish got messed up in the main event, and the promoters like, "What? What did we do wrong?" I'm like, "You booked him. That's what you did wrong. Like, you knew this guy sucked. This would probably happen, but he's free, so that's why you <laughs> used." I mean, that's be, I'm being honest, though. That's the truth. Like, you get what you pay for in this industry, so. You know, like why you paid money to bring in a talent and that match got ruined because this referee doesn't know what he's doing. He shouldn't be out there. You know, like it's it is what it is. Uh, yeah, can you hear me still? Okay, there we are. Sorry <laughs> about that. It was beeping on me and everything else. I was like, well, I'm charged up here. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what's going on there, but um, uh, there was a, there was a moment early on in my career that uh, it was I think one of the first matches. The first entire cards that uh, Harley let me work down in Southern mm -hmm. Missouri, and uh, I don't even know what went on. I was green as could be and got backstage, and I remember I just went, going back to Darren Wade. Um, Darren was in the locker room afterwards with all four guys, and uh, well, I think he was one of the participants in the tag match with mm -hmm. the other three guys, and he, he goes, no offense to this, Brandon, but... Uh, we can't do whatever the heck they did in the ring. He goes, he's too green. We can't do that. And he was really chewing on him a little bit. And to this day, I don't know if it was a blind tag or what it was, but he, he was telling the participants, you guys can't do that because he's, because you, the ref is green. Is that what he's saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and it, it, the, you know, going back to what we said earlier, it was, nobody was putting, putting any of them spots on me yet. By no means, except you know that one there, and that was that was another learning experience. It's like, boy, those guys on <laughs> on TV that I grew up watching with Earl Hebner or <laughs> just name one of the Mike Yoda, any of them I grew up watching on TV. It was wow, these guys. I'm going to have to learn a lot more about putting together a match because mm -hmm. I'm thinking I need to be you know the hope spots, the comebacks, the this and that. I'm going to need to know all this shit, and it's like it was kind of. Okay, here we go. You know, I'm not catching any shit from any of the guys, yeah. but I got a lot more to learn. Now, I, that's where I put a bunch of pressure on myself. It's like, no, uh, it took a few months to, I think I, I don't remember who I talked with, but they're like, no, you don't need to, 
You don't need to learn all that stuff. You need to know a couple spots, you know, whatever, the finish or whatever, but don't even complicate it. Don't even complicate it for you. You'll come across better, you know, in there as far as uh, and, and enhancing the match if you de- don't know as much. And I thought, I, hey, I'm going to run with that, you know. I was never a great student in school. The less I had to remember, the better I did. You know? <laughs> so, And that's the way I rolled with it. And that's sure. the way I rolled with it for, what is it? Man, we got 15 years coming up here. Yeah. So oh, it's crazy. It really is. I mean, I know, I know as you got experienced, like I didn't, I never felt like, oh God, we got this referee or that referee with you is always like, oh, like I remember being at shows and like, if there was two referees, like, do I got Brandon? Yeah, you got Brandon. Okay, good. Cause it's like, if I don't, I'm going to switch that. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, well, and, and I'm serious. That, and that's, and that's one of those things. Like, it's a huge compliment for you, but. It's also it's one of those things. If I'm doing a tag match and I need to do a blind tag and it's not been discussed, me and you can make eye contact, and I know we're good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's and it's hard to explain if people don't get it. But oh, I I still don't get it. Right? <laughs> I still don't get it, man. Uh, I was doing a doing a show for Central Empire Wrestling a while back up in Ottawa, Iowa, and it was man, I can't remember who was in the tag match, but it was almost. Yeah, no, not even eye contact was made. It was just the flow of the match. I turned, cut the guy off, and it was just, it was like, okay, to me, it was, hey, I guess this is this is my 15 years in. Hey, these guys know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> and it's, it's like, holy, I was almost in the spot before they were. And, and it, you know, it was one of them. I, I was pretty proud of it, you know, get back in the locker room and just kind of, okay, let that one soak in. You know, most of the time it's, it's uh, okay, another learning experience, this and that and the other. I'll try to make it better. And, it's a, it's a good thing, but you don't want to stay on it too long. It's always nice to hang your hat on some, something, you know, for the for the night, on for the drive home and whatnot. And that that was one of them simple things right there. It was holy shit. I ain't even I ain't even here. We ain't even communicating in here. It just it, it happens. It was a, a beautiful ballet, man. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's the best thing. Is like when it's like you just bam, 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 bam. It's like there's no. There's no hesitation. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be. Everybody knows what they're doing. And like, you can't replicate experience like that. And that's like one of those times when, like, I remember a a tag match I did one time, you were the referee and the two guys I was wrestling were good. My partner was green, Uh but I'm like, we got enough positives there. And I, and I told him, I was like, you get lost, you get confused. You're not sure. Tag me in, tag me in. Then I don't care where we're at. Tag me in. Like, because we'll get back on track. We have enough people, like enough right. positive. You know what I mean? Like you can hide that guy's weakness. Yeah, you ain't gonna tear down the whole match just to get where you need to go. You can, right. you can, yeah. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, it was his first match. I think I was like, it's gonna happen. Like you're gonna have moments where you're kind of lost or confused, and like, and that's fine. But just as soon as like you you get that point, and I was like, and listen to me when I say bring him here, grab your guy, bring him here, and. And, and like it was one of those things where like afterwards he was kind of like, okay I see what you're saying I see what you're saying and that's that to me is learning and growing and becoming better performers but um, one one funny story I do want to bring up and I'm sure you know what I'm talking about um, it was early on in my career so probably you were probably a year or two in at this point we were in a match I want to say it was Warsaw and you actually ripped your pants you remember that oh oh yeah yeah man. Uh... It was in the, the main event was a battle royal, and it happened, uh, I believe, in the semi-main. Yes, it was, it was in a tag match. I remember guys, that yeah. because it happened, and I'm on the apron. And you, you walk by, and you said something, and I'm and as you walk by, you're looking at me, and I'm like, 
I didn't. I'm like trying to tell you, like I didn't catch that, and so you kind of yeah, like around, I'm relaying kinda, a spot over to you or something. Or yeah, yeah well, that's what I thought. I'm thinking, like, am I supposed to break something up? Like, are you calling something to me? And sure, yeah, exactly. That's what. That's the only time I would ever. Yeah, we would communicate verbally. Yeah, and then you walked over and you said something again. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not catching it. Finally, you're like, I ripped my pants. How does it look? <laughs> and what you're doing is you're trying to walk away so I could see. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm something like, hey, you're good. And he was like, okay. And I can, all of a sudden, I see your shirt kind of, like, getting more and more untucked as it happens. But that's, that's like, real-world problems. You don't think about it. Referees got to have black pants, right? So, yeah, you're, you're moving. You're sliding down to the ground. Yeah, you're going to rip your pants. It could happen. Oh yeah, I think that's the night I, I right after that got back home and purchased a pair of Dickies. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> like, those yeah. things, yeah, yeah. they How get their knees shining up a little bit, but at the same time, I've never had a pair tear out. And these, those those cheap dress slacks, man. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I think only one set of one set of fans noticed that night when I uh, climbed out of the ring after that tag match. I'm walking back, trying to kind of hurry, and we got fans on both sides of the aisle, and there's a couple right, you know, in the next to last back the back row. And, you know, in their 30s or 40s, and they just kind of start giggling and smile at me. And I was like, yeah, they know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure black underwear would probably be in the in the future as well, right? <laughs> just in case. Right. I, I shimmied over with my shirt und- or untucked over to the to uh, Harley at his spot at the table. And I was like, Harley, I got a problem here. And he's like, what's that? And I was like, um, and I had my shirt out, and he goes, what happened? You ripped the ass out of your pants? Before I could even tell him, he knew. Oh, yeah. And I was like, he's like, what do you got with you? And I'm like, not a spare pair of pants. What'd you wear here? I think a pair of Levi's. Well, it's it's the, it's the a battle royal for the main, so go just put on them, leave your shirt untucked, and yeah. Or I think he might even have me tuck my shirt in, look a little more presentable, but yeah, refereeing yeah. out there in blue jeans. But yeah, that, that was a learning experience, okay? Always have a... A set of black boxer briefs, maybe even a second pair. You never know if your drawers are going to rip out, I swear. And anyway, a second pair of pants also. So, yeah, yeah. learning experience, man. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, anything can happen. I think I've never really had any uh, any bad wardrobe malfunctions. I did have a guy one time on a show, his, his tights ripped. The guy did the whole, like, grab the tights and pull them into the turnbuckle. And, uh, yeah, they ripped, like, legit. So it didn't expose anything, but you could see, like, he was wearing a jock strap, and you could clearly see it. Ah. And it's one of those things, like, he was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, honestly, man, just take it home. Because the crowd wasn't getting with anything you were doing. Like, they were laughing because, you know, your jock strap's hanging out. Like, so that's one of those moments when it's probably best to just, you know, call a little small Just take it home, wrap it up. It is what it is, and it's it's as real as it is. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, things happen. I mean, it is what it is. Like you said, it's just... It's one of those moments where it's like, well, that happened. Now what? Uh, okay, let's just uh, let's take it home. And oh, you you never stop on, on stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's there's never a moment of clarity in wrestling. If that's a, that's probably not the right word either. Man, I'm having trouble with words tonight. No, it, it, but, I uh, get what you're saying though. It's it's always easy it, to, it's just any anything and everything can happen. And it's like, man, if you can maybe by chance be ready for it if you know two weeks down the road or three years down the road you know more than likely it's going to pop up or you can have some good advice for somebody else yeah. the, the you know i mean whether it's wardrobe malfunction or the spots in the ring or whatever whatever you know you gotta keep mm-hmm. learning you gotta keep you know we gotta keep passing on this knowledge that hey we got from one of the best ever so well, I mean, it's yeah. simple stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. Harley, I know. Bet, bet you're going to 
I probably should have told you, pack a pair of pants, you know, an extra right. pair of pants. He, he might have seen it a thousand times over his career and thought, well, this is a learning experience for the referees. Yeah. I'll just let it happen. You know, he had a, he had that odd sense of humor sometimes. So, mm-hmm. you know, who knows with Harley? Yeah. Probably right. not. But at the same time, yeah, it's going to happen one of these days. Them flimsy pants he's wearing. I can't yeah. wait to see it. No doubt. <laughs> it's also one of those things too, like you learn with a gear bag, right? Like you learn, eh, probably want to care, you know, carry an extra pair of shorts just in case, you know, you want, yeah. want to care, you know, carry a, a towel, things that you may not necessarily need every time, but boy, you're glad you have it when, you know, it's there. And all of a sudden, like your locker room, you're changing outside. And so like, well, if I had a towel to wrap around myself to put my trunks on, that should be nice. You know, it's like, <laughs> I mean, and I'm serious. I've been in, in locker rooms where it's like, really? Like, this is where we're changing. Like, it's a, it's literally like I'm standing behind a forklift, like, or a track. Oh, we've been in some yeah, locker I mean, rooms now. Yeah. And yeah, outside to, man, all kinds of places. Remember the, I don't remember, somewhere in Missouri, I don't remember the arena, or I shouldn't say the arena, the, the field house, the, the gymnasium. We had locker rooms downstairs, and I think there was like just a toilet sitting in the middle on a little, mm. no, no, that, yeah. no doors, no cubicle for just a toilet sitting out in the middle of the locker room. Mm-hmm. Did it, hello? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I remember walking in there, and one of the, one of the guys just, <laughs> it's just one of those weird memories that sticks out. One of the, yeah, I'll just get a throwing out there. Darren Wade. Yeah. You walk into the locker room. There's Darren, you know, going number two, butt yeah. ass naked as yeah. we all walk into the locker room. But it's almost like, you know, if you guys laugh, other guys kind of shake their head. Other ones don't even give him a second look because we're just so used to this. Well, it's he's a, doing it also because he's, I, I think he knew it would get a reaction. And, but I mean, like, <laughs> Darren, for right, sure. Right, right. But it's also one of those things, like, how many times do we have a locker room that didn't have a toilet, didn't have, a, you know, a sink, didn't have any of that stuff. So I'm literally having to, like, you know, I had long hair at the time, so I have to wet it down. So I would have to go find a sink find a water fountain. somewhere <laughs> to fill up a bottle. Like, if you want to go take it. I mean, how many times we had to pee outside because there wasn't a toilet? I mean, the stuff you deal with on independent wrestling, sometimes people don't get. It's not It's not all glitz and glamour. <laughs> It's definitely it's definitely an interesting life. But another thing I want to bring up with you, um, you are a relatively big referee for industry standards. Was that to me? I always I always appreciated the fact that you were a bigger guy. I'm a bigger guy because I always felt like if I have a referee who's five foot tall, is that believable for him to push me back? But the only thing to me was like I I can uh, maybe I it's like I respect his authority because of his job, but like. Push came to shove. You being a bigger guy, I always felt like that was a lot more believable. Like, you know, even if I wanted to get a little physical and push at you, you'd push at me back, and it's like, okay, Brandon's a big guy. Like, that makes sense. Is that is that you get what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I've always, of course, I'm biased on it being a bigger guy. Six two to forty, I think I am, right in there, and uh, I. I it always bugged me personally. I mean, I'm never going to throw any, anybody under the bus or whatever. But yeah, just what you're saying a five foot five guy in there with two dudes, six four, six five, two eighty. To me, it eh, doesn't look the best. But at the same time, I'm being prejudiced there because, you know, to, to, to that smaller referee, he might think, heck yes, you know, th- this is this is what it's about. Make them guys look even bigger. And I understand that aspect of it by all means. But uh, it got a little, it gets a little frustrating here and there. I, I, 
I, d- I know it didn't help me any as far as m- my career moving up, moving forward. I don't believe it did, you know, being a bigger guy. I had a, a little bit of feedback from, from some of the, uh, older veterans, the legends about, you know, ain't nothing you can do about being tall. Me and a Ricky Steamboat hashed it out once before and I brought it up to him. It's like, how come you don't have any, uh, you know, any good sized fellas like that down, you know, down in Tampa or wherever he was at at the time, you know, working for you as yeah. far as referees. And he just kind of looked at me funny. So I went on to explain it just like that, you know, two, two big guys in there or whatever. And he just, he actually kind of, I don't know if he'd ever thought about it. I imagine he has. He's Ricky Steamboat. But he just kind of batted around for a few seconds and he goes, what do you weigh now? And I think I was about 250 then. And he was like, hey, can you get down 20, 30 pounds? And I'm like, I can do whatever you want. You know, I'll try to get to 180 if you want me to. You're Ricky Steamboat. Right. And he goes, uh, just a minute and grabbed an index card, wrote down his address, his home address. And, you know, don't let this get out, which by all means, never. Right. And, uh, you know, get down, get down a little bit more weight and, uh, send me some of your matches and, uh, we'll see what we can do. You know, we'll stay in contact and, uh, wonderful, wonderful. And I did. I got down to probably, in the 220s again, I think when I started my career in 2015, I was just a hair over 200 maybe. So I put on, yeah, you know, an extra 50 pounds since I started, but I, I was a, a stick at six foot two and 200 pounds. Sure. So I uh, got down to that weight and whatnot and put together a little DVD and uh, mailed it off. And it, it wasn't long after that, man, that uh, Ricky got his release down there. Yeah. And it was like, ah, uh, I don't know if it would have went anywhere. But I, at the same time, it was like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to uh, take all avenues I can to see if I can, you know, go further in the business, even further, even further. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a, a detriment a little bit being a bigger guy. Yeah. Timing uh, you is know. everything, though, right? I mean, that's what's that timing is everything. Yes. I mean, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, would that have gone anywhere? It's hard to say. Would it have been meant more coming from Ricky Steamboat? Yeah, I think so. But, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I don't know if you know this, but I was in NXT when he was there as a trainer. And then they basically let him go from that job, forced him out. I don't really know the specifics. But he always spoke highly of me because he saw me at all the camps and saw my matches and saw that I could go. Once he right. was gone, that's when it was like downhill, and I knew, like, I could kind of feel like, ooh, because he would he would speak up for me and like, you know, like this guy needs to be here, this guy needs to be doing this, and everything was good. He goes, it's not good. It's almost like you need someone there, like in your corner. And for me, I had that with Ricky, and I mean, it's a good guy to have in your corner. And like in in your case, would that have meant? Like, well, hey, like, what if, what if we use this guy? Like, he's he's going to be good for our bigger guys. Like, if you're going to have a main event of John Cena and Batista, Brandon Schmidt as the referee makes sense because he's the biggest guy here, right? Because uh, that's that. Yeah, I, that's what that's kind of how I looked at it. And Ricky, like I said, he you can't get any if you, if you can get somebody with his stature in the business thinking about it. Hey, that's a win right there. I, I look at it. Maybe maybe. He was 100% against it after seeing my matches or what, whatever. But it's like you, you got to pursue things, man. Yeah. You got to give him a shot. There, there, you know, I have a couple regrets over the years. You know, we, we went to that, uh, we were, uh, enhancement talent 
for uh, WWE back yep. 2012 or so. Mm-hmm. And uh, William, William Regal got us some ring time there, and we got in. Everybody did, I think, a, I don't know how many we did, four or five, five-minute matches. Sure. Something like that. And uh, after the, you know, the first one got a great, great feedback from uh, from Mr. Regal and uh, Scott Armstrong, who was refereeing at the time. And I don't remember which one said it, but right as we, I was getting ready to climb out of the ring, he says, uh, I think it was Scott. It's like, I, I told William or vice versa. One was like, I, I told him 10 seconds in, you got it. Work in the horseshoe. You got what we need. And it was, oh, my goodness, you know, mm-hmm. fireworks in my head goosebumps and whatnot and it's like hey you, you want to stay in there do another match yeah by all means and mm-hmm. i don't remember how many we did three or four five maybe and the last one uh well the wrestlers told me right as he was uh getting ready to do a pin then he's gonna throw his feet up on the ropes so i slid in did the three count made sure i was positioned so i couldn't see it and william regal snapped on me mm. and he said he he says, what are you doing here? And I was like, well, we talked about it. And he goes, no, you didn't. I'm like, yeah, right. And no, we didn't talk about it before the match. I know what he meant. No, you guys didn't discuss this finish. But I was trying to relay that, hey, me and uh, Dustin here, we we did. He let me know that he was doing that. I positioned my end. Regal did not want to hear it. Yeah. And in hindsight, you know, 10 seconds later, I'm going, why didn't you just shut your mouth, Brandon? Just shut your effing mouth mm-hmm. and be good with it. He's giving you a vibe, or, you know, he's letting you know how it works here. It should have been a yes, sir, and climb on out of the ring. That's one of those little things that I think I, I, I regret. Yeah. I wish I would have shut my mouth right there. I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, give me back talk, any sass or anything like that. He's William Regal. I, I, I was there. I never took it as that, but, you know. It's kind of one of those things where you're asked a question, but they don't need an answer. You know what I mean? Like it's yes, it's one of the rhetorical questions. By all means, absolutely. And I remember that this is that that was around the time that I got signed, not right right away, but it was I was getting looked at, and I knew I was getting looked at. And what I tried, and I what I told people, what I did, because if you remember, he'd take us up to the stands, and he had talked to us for what two three hours. I mean, yeah. lots of advice. And I remember I was just kind of mentally taking notes of everything that he said. And I was trying to apply as many of those as I could. And, you know, one of the things he said was like, this is what we want. Now, if you go to, you know, NOAA or New Japan or AAA or CMLL, it's different. But this is what we want. So I'm like, he's. Ba- I took that as he's telling us, this is what I want to see. If you want to get, If you want to get noticed, do this. That's how I took it. And now you're a referee, totally different situation than us, right? And in as much as they're watching you, they're a referee blends into the background, which is kind of a blessing and a curse, right? Because sure, you know what I mean. Like you're there, you're like you always need to be there when you when you're needed, but otherwise it's unseen. And and it's one of those things where they're probably watching other things, but then you do that, it maybe it stands out to them in a certain way. Don't know. Like me personally, I feel like there's nothing wrong with that. If the guy said to you, like, "Hey, I'm gonna put my feet on the ropes," but it's it's one of those moments, man. Like it's just like, well, crap. And I and I kind of I heard Regal snap at a few people, like basically, and it was his way of saying like, "Stop talking." And mm-hmm. you got it that day. And I remember the previous trip when he was there. That happened to someone else, where it was kind of like, "Nope, 
and he was like, oh, yeah, the guy just kind of stopped because, like you said, it's William Regal. What are you going to do? And Yeah, it was like, but I had like, you know, within the first two or three of them little short matches there with nobody in the arena, one of them, I think Scott hollered up, is like, you're good. You can climb out now if you want. And uh, someone else getting in there, he goes, or you can stay in and ref another couple. And it's like, no, I'm in, you know. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, yeah, get as much time as <laughs> I'm can. in the WWE ring right now for the first time in my life. I mean, it, <laughs> You know, put a gun up to my head to get me out of here right now. Right. And I and I really wish I would have right then. You know, someone else could have slid in there and do it but just because of how that ended right there. Yeah, but it, it is what it is. I, I look at There was a couple of things, that, at least that night. But, uh, that was in Omaha, I think it was. Yeah. The I, SmackDown I taping. That, yeah. that and, was actually uh, the night Seth, you know, Simon Gotch talked to him. And I yeah, remember yeah. Regal being over there and I went and spoke to him. And he basically, without telling me directly, he told me I was going to get signed without saying the words. He told, I just, I was like, well, I appreciate the time today. Is there anything? And he goes, he shook his head. No. And he goes, uh, you're good. You'll hear something soon. I was like, okay. And I, I don't, I don't know what that means, but I took that as sure. Yeah. Is a, it, sure. does sound exciting, man. Yeah. And so I'm thinking like, okay, I'm actually like. We'll, I mean, either it's like, hey, we're hiring you or don't ever come back again. But, hey, at least it's an answer, you know. And uh, and I remember he was standing around and, and, and Seth was there, Simon Gotch. And I was like, hey, man, if you – like, now's your chance. Go talk to him. He's he's. I feel like he's standing there on purpose to see if someone will approach him. And so he went over uh-huh. and talked to him and that's kind of when he gave him the uh, strong – the idea of the strong man. He was like, I don't know. I don't know if that will work for you, but he's like – you know, you're, you're pretty solid wrestler, but I, I don't know. And that's kind of what Regal had told me other times when he had seen talents. And I, cause I would ask him, cause he went to another Harley camp when I was in NXT and I asked uh-huh. how it went and he goes, Oh, it was, it was, it was, it was fine. I was like, you see anyone? He goes, I not a whole lot I could do for any of those guys. And I was like, and I took that as there was nothing like he, he probably has a criteria he needs as far as you know, size, look, athleticism, et cetera, et cetera. Something that checks a box. And if they don't right. have any of that, then there's nothing that he can really push forward with. So I was like, oh, fair enough. You know, but he was always very honest, which is something I always appreciated. Yes. You don't get that a lot in, in pro wrestling. No, I say I take everything he say. He said to heart, you know, yeah. you, you have to. He's William Regal. He's, you know, if you've watching any or listening to any of his podcasts that he's got going on here, it's like, no, he's he's served his time. Now it's time to pass back. Now it's time to give back to the business. And, you know, he has no time or no reason to bullshit anybody. Right. So, Yeah, man. Well, I don't want to keep you on all night. Uh, I appreciate you jumping on. This has been a lot of fun catching up. Um, are you on social media these days, or are you kind of steering clear of that whole that whole deal? Uh, I s- stay clear of it for the most part. Do a little Facebook. Hardly ever on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, the, the world's just a... Not the prettiest place anymore, man. And no, it's, it's like not. I, I literally not. keep it to promote these shows, but I feel like beyond that, it's like there's no. And it's a weird thing to say because like this show's the only way I can really promote it is social media. But it's like it's such a it becomes such a negative energy almost. Like I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like at some points this is like the worst thing that ever happened to our world is being so connected. But you know. That's a whole it, other it, podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. I mean, it got to the. It's a beautiful thing, and it was beautiful for our business. But as far as networking with each other and whatnot, right. but yeah, that's about all you can 
try to use it for without losing your mind. I mean, besides, you know, keeping in touch with close friends and family. Right. It's, yeah, it's a different world out there, man, since social media. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, we could, like you said, we could go into so many different subjects on it, whether it be political or sports to anything and everything under the sun is just out of whack right now. <laughs> yeah, and, and I try to steer clear of anything controversial, like, because I feel like anytime you do, you get a certain amount of like good and then a certain amount of bad depending on what it is. And I'm just like, you know, if I'm on Facebook, it's probably going to be a picture of my niece or nephew or my dog. And that's about it. And that's like all I need out there. But like I said, I keep all that stuff to promote these shows so people will hopefully listen to them. And, and you know, like I said, I try to keep the show positive and fun and kind of a, you know, a fun look at our time in wrestling, right? Because I think that's what's cool about this is me and you catching up or me. Like I had Johnny Pantoya on a few months ago and – Oh wow! I miss Johnny. Yeah, I haven't and talked with on, him. Sure but he was on Wheel of Fortune recently. Yes, I did see that. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, there's one good thing about social media. I did catch that on there. Uh, right, and that and that was in a couple of, movies, also, wasn't he? Right, he was. He was, and that was just such a random thing. It's like you're on freaking Wheel of Fortune. Like, so I, I reached out immediately. He's like, dude, we need a podcast again. He's like, yeah, man, absolutely. So that's that's the good side of it. I think sometimes it's it becomes overwhelming, and it becomes like where you spend that's all you do it, you can as you spend all day on on facebook and stuff and it's like i I've, I've told people i've been watching movies and i'm scrolling facebook i'm like i don't care about this shit like why am i i'm trying to watch a movie like why am i why am i doing this but i don't know it's it's a it's a weird hold on way. i gotta get on social media i gotta go get on my social media so i can bitch about social media man there i'll be right is. back there <laughs> it is well brother I, I appreciate you being on the show and like i said i, I hope we can do it again down the road because we have an absolute blast catching up and uh you know, hopefully you're still out there making some making some road trips, hitting that one, two, three. Well, I am. You know, you know the wrestling business. The pay's never good, so it, 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 it's it's. I need to get in the ring. I need yeah. to knock some rust off. That's that's what it is, and there ain't no place like it. No Absolutely. better place on God's green earth than under those bright lights, man. Yeah, you better believe it. Well, Brandon, I appreciate it, man. Have a good one. Hey, you too, Ryan. Take care, brother. All right, we are closing up episode 94 of You Know It's Fake, Right? The ongoing battle with the dirtiest four-letter word in professional wrestling. Big shout-out to my guest, referee Brandon Schmidt. So much fun to talk with, and I appreciate him taking the time to be on the show. And I'm sure he'll be on again down the road, because I just absolutely love talking with Brandon. He's one of my favorite people. Great, great dude. Next week... Another returning favorite, Richard Yule from the Night of the Nerdy Laser podcast. He's also a guy responsible for FrankenCon. Have you heard of FrankenCon? Uh, Richard is, you know, kind of like like me. He was a podcaster and a wrestling fan and a wrestling figure collector, and he decided to do his own convention. Like that's crazy, right? Like, what well, like what makes you think you should do your own convention? But he's pulled it off, and I think it's really really cool. And uh, we kind of talk about his, you know, FrankenCon and how that came about wrestling podcast and we talk about a lot of cool stuff richard just always been a great great guy and a guy that i just absolutely love uh podcasting with i've done his show a couple of different times and i would like to do it again down the road because he's just so much fun to talk with but i know he's busy with with obviously trying to do his own convention because i can't imagine how difficult that could be but but richard's an, an amazing dude so he'll be coming up again next week I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it and i think you guys will enjoy it as well and, of course, I want to shout out some of our uh, podcasting buddies like the Fully Posable Wrestling Figure Podcast. 
uh, with Jeff and Scott. Make sure to check them out every Sunday in Scott's side project, Drunk Wrestling History. Also, check out Doing the Favor with Eric and Barry. Um, like I said last week, they're coming back soon, so uh, stay tuned for that. The Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast with Steve and Eric. The Ringside Rant with RJ. The Leisure and Lariats Podcast with Ruthless Ryan Davidson. In the Marbles with Soda and Ethan. Boots to the Face with Marty and Rucker. Tales from the Estate with Drew Vinsel and his wife, Kaylin, and the twins over there. I'm glad they're back doing their thing. It's amazing. I'm sure they'll have to take some breaks down the road because... I couldn't imagine, you know, toddler twins, but they're pulling it off and I love it. Wreck My Podcast with Jordan Zeilinger and his crew. Trivia with the Buds with our pal Ryan Buds. Howlin' with the Wolf with the one and only Jason Wolf. And of course, his artwork and his chop shop. Can't say enough good things about that because he's awesome. Everything he does is amazing. Uh, pulling up a chair with our buddy Tim over at a chair shot. Night of the Nerdy Laser Podcast with next week's guest, Richard Yule. And then, of course, Too Old for This Shit with our pal Al Day. Make sure to check that out as well. Check out my other shows, uh, Breaker and Bane's Power Hour every Sunday, the TV Toycast with Travis Fowler every Thursday, and check out Bane's other show, No Holds Barred with Bill Benis, every uh, Tuesday, I believe it is. And then I can uh, you can get our t-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash Brian Breaker, BBPH.RedBubble.com, Whatamaneuver.net, search by store for Breaker and Bane's Power Hour, TV Toycast, and many other, many of our other podcasting buddies, excuse me. And as well as storefrontier.com forward slash TV Toycast and get the new Game Time Decision t-shirt. It's, in a, it's a banger. It's really cool. All of our artwork by The Art of Jason Wolf. And uh, that is about all I got. So thank you guys for checking out You Know It's Fake Right. And remember, as the great Johnny Valentine once said, I can't make you believe that pro wrestling is real, but I sure as hell can make you believe that I am. I'm Brian Breaker. This is You Know It's Fake Right, and we'll see you guys next week. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Wonderful. I've been around for a minute, and I can stand toe-to-toe with the best of the minute. Don't give a damn about critics, they talk a lot, but at the end of the night, I'm selling the tickets. All the tough guys avoid me, the ladies all adore me, paparazzi record me, I can put on a clinic, all my opposers are born.